This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. We already know you guys like good stories. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads and browse their unmatched selection of audio programs. Download the one that grabs your attention for free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads to check it out. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Riveting Reads podcast, where each season brings you a serialized version of thrilling news stories, along with exclusive bonus content from the author. This is season one, Insomnia, book one of the Nightwalker series by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. New episodes are posting weekly on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Stick around after today's chapter for some author insights into the writing process behind this chapter with Insomnia's author, J.R. Johansson. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and I'm here to give you a quick recap of episode 30, chapter 30 of Insomnia. At the beginning of this episode, Parker is making preparations to leave Oakville forever. He's written goodbye letters to the people that he cares about most. He has breakfast with his mom. Then he takes a bus to the school, planning to meet with Mia and Jeff at a soccer captain's meeting. He wants to deliver the letter to her along with an apology and say goodbye. Instead of the meeting, when he gets to the school, he finds Mia injured and trapped by a fire in a trash can. Then someone hits him on the head and he loses consciousness. And that's it for your recap of chapter 30. Stick around now for chapter 31 of Insomnia. Hope you enjoy! Insomnia, The Nightwalkers, written by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. 31. Before any sound came the pain, like someone had hit the back of my head with an axe and then left it there, embedded in my brain. Noise only made things worse. Every word, every breath, every cough sliced through the back of my head instead of taking the normal path through my ears. I couldn't make out any specific words only the sharp throbbing. The smell of smoke invaded my nose, and I abruptly remembered seeing Mia in the shop room. What happened? Did darkness take over again? No, that wouldn't be this painful. I tried to open my eyes, but they weren't ready to cooperate. I could tell I was upright, and the seat I was in felt worn and familiar. It felt like one of the bright orange chairs we sat in for shop class. My hands, my hands were tied behind me. I couldn't have done that. Darkness wouldn't have done that. Someone else was here. And that person had attacked me. Both me and Mia. I forced my eyes open, trying to see the piece missing from the puzzle around me. I blinked a few times until my vision focused. The only thing I could see was Jeff's light hair and the back of his jersey as he knelt before Mia. I was relieved. He would want to save his foster sister. He could help us both if we acted quickly. Jeff, I coughed and pain shot through my head. Help her. He turned from Mia and the grin on his face seemed bizarrely out of place. He was more than happy. He was victorious. The shock hit me as I looked at the scene from her nightmares and realized the truth. Darkness wasn't the stalker. Jeff was. I hadn't lost control, at least nowhere near as much as I'd thought. Relief washed over me, 
just long enough for me to realize I now had something to live for. The people I'd been willing to run away to save, everyone I loved, I could still be with them. And if I wasn't a true danger, then I was not giving them up without one hell of a fight. I feigned confusion. How? What? What are you doing? Enjoying myself. He remained crouched, but turned his whole body toward me. I leaned back out of instinct. He looked like an animal ready to pounce. I needed to slow him down, make him talk, and buy myself some time to think. I don't understand. You're such an idiot. Jeff got to his feet and sneered. You still haven't figured it out? I recognized his emotions immediately, hatred and disdain. He oozed smugness and power. He was feeding off my stupidity, Mia's fear, and loving every second of it. I didn't know who this guy was, what had happened to my old friend. But my instinct told me to keep feeding him what he wanted, to play dumb and let him revel. Figured out what? I let my legs tremble in spite of the piercing vibration it created in my head. Shaking his head in disgust, Jeff turned and stoked the fire. A few embers flew up and Mia whimpered. See, Mia, it's like I told you. You don't want someone that stupid. No one spoke for a moment. The only sound was the crackling fire as I struggled silently against the ropes tying my wrists together. It's okay, though. We'll be together. And then you will be gone. And so will he. My whole body went cold at his words and I stopped struggling for a moment. Where exactly are we going? Jeff stood with a smile and pivoted slowly to face me. Depends. Do you want to know what the police will think happened or the truth? Let's start with the truth. Well, I get to do whatever I want with you and Mia before you both die. Die? I swallowed, and Mia curled deeper into a ball in the corner. Of course, it won't be that hard to believe you're a stalker and a killer after the way you've been acting. He walked closer to me, and I stopped fighting against the ropes. A killer? I stared into his eyes. The inhuman coldness I saw there was terrifying. Of course, Mia's killer. I tried for a while to get her to turn you in for the way you were acting, but she wouldn't. I think it turned out better this way, actually. At least for me, it did. Jeff laughed and slammed his fist into my gut. She fought you. She's very strong. But in the end, you overpowered her. I doubled over, trying to make my breath come back as the pain ripped through to my spine. Gasping in air, I stared at Mia, but she didn't move a muscle. She was practically catatonic. Her eyes were trained permanently on the flames before her, barely blinking. I could see from her arms and legs that she wasn't tied up. Only the fire kept her prisoner. Jeff followed my gaze and his face hardened. He wrapped one hand around my throat and lifted my face to his. Don't look at her! He screamed as he tightened his grasp, blocking my airway. Never look at her! Releasing me, he walked away, his fury cooling instantly. His crazy rage was replaced by a knowing smile. Don't you know that's what got you in trouble to begin with? His fists hung by his sides as he backed away from me. If you'd left her alone in the first place, then she wouldn't have been so distracted. She would have paid attention to me. Everyone would have paid attention to me, and none of this would have happened. Of course, with you here now, this is even better. I don't understand. The rope binding my hands together wasn't budging. I stopped and tried to think of another plan as I waited for Jeff's response. Oh, 
His eyes were wide, his voice condescending. Let me help you understand then. By the time I finish with you, you'll wish you died in your sleep like her freak therapist. Dr. Freeberg? I asked, my mind whirling. Yes, freaky Freeberg. If he hadn't died, he'd be the one here. You should have seen the way he touched her. It was disgusting. As if she could be interested in an old fart like him. Jeff's eyes filled with fury. Then there was you, following her around and watching her all the time. Neither of you could respect what was mine. But now you will. Today, I'll help Mia realize that I'm what she wants. He turned his back on me and moved the flaming metal garbage can closer to Mia. A small cry escaped her lips, and she pushed her body farther into the corner. No one ignores me, Mia. No one. Jeff spun toward me, his eyes hard and angry. This is my school, and you don't get to share my glory. I made our team a winning one, not you. I turned soccer from a sport into a lifestyle, not you. Mia is mine, and you can both burn in hell if you think I'm going to let you have her. Then he gave a crazy laugh and pointed to the flame. Burn! <laughs> Get it? Did Thor help you with all this? I had to keep him distracted. Every time he met my eyes, I saw it. That desire to kill, to cause pain. I needed to keep him focused on gloating over his victory. I had to keep him away from Mia. Thor? You think that moron has the brains to pull off something like this? His laugh was ice cold. He's my permanent alibi. He already kept me from getting in trouble when Liv and that other bitch started whining about rape, and he'll keep me from getting blamed for this. I coughed. Rape? Liv, the fear I'd seen in her eyes in the hallway. She hadn't been afraid of me. She'd been afraid of Jeff. His eyes glinted in the light of the fire. They wanted it. A sneer twisted his lips and his eyes looked wild, just like Mia will. Turning, he walked toward her. You want it, don't you, Mia? He grabbed a paper from a nearby table and lit the corner. He knelt before her and touched the flame to her calf. She screamed, writhing away, and I fought the rope that bound my hands. Stop it! I yelled as loudly as I could, trying to draw his attention back to me. Don't tell me what to do. Never tell me what to do. Whirling, he dropped the paper in the trash. In an instant, he was on me, hitting me over and over. My world filled with the metallic taste and smell of blood. We'll dive right back into the story after this short break. This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. The audiobook I'd like to recommend in this episode is With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. Ever since she got pregnant freshman year, Emoni Santiago's life has been about making tough decisions. Doing what has to be done for her daughter and her abuela, the one place she can let it all go is in the kitchen, where she adds a little something magical to everything she cooks, turning her food into straight up goodness. Even though she dreams of working as a chef after she graduates, Emoni knows that it's not worth her time to pursue the impossible. Yet despite the rules she thinks she has to play by, once Emoni starts cooking, her only choice is to let her talent break free. I've heard great things about this book. I'm very excited to check it out. So whether you decide to go with my recommendation of With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo, or select another audiobook of your choice, you can get started by going to audibletrial.com forward slash riveting reads. That's audibletrial.com forward slash riveting reads to get your free audiobook. Hope that was a nice breather for you because we now continue with Insomnia. 
Time passed through a haze as I tried to make my brain refocus. Whether from the hour or the worsening storm, the light coming through the high windows was dimmer than when I had arrived. Snow fell outside, that much I could tell. It was hard to remember what had happened, though. Hard to remember anything. Jeff added a piece of wood to the garbage can, and then he sat beside Mia and ran his fingers down her hair. He turned to face me, his expression hard, cruel. I downloaded this neat little tracking program to tell me when someone logs into my account from another computer. I noticed you finally accessed my email. It took you long enough. That was pretty much genius, don't you think? I met his eyes and tried to nod, but my head refused to obey and fell to one side. You've always been an easy target, Parker. So trusting. Hatred filled his eyes, but his mouth twisted into a smug smile. You really should have taken those password security recommendations more seriously. I remembered that Jeff had sat next to me in computer lab last year. He must have seen my password back then, and I had never seen any point in changing it. He was right. I'd been an idiot. I'd accepted the fact that I was guilty of everything and stopped searching for the real threat. I'd made a mistake, but I'd be damned if I was going to let Mia die because of it. Of course, I considered using your real email, but I couldn't risk you finding out too early and ruining all the fun. Jeff laughed, sat on the floor beside Mia, and held her hand in his. She was helpless, and he was psycho. It made me furious, and the instant he glanced my way, he could see it. You know, she isn't yours now. His eyes flashed with arrogance and fury. She was never mine. I growled out between my bloody teeth as Jeff ran his hand up her arm. But she isn't yours, either. Yes, she is. His head whipped back around to face me. Her hands aren't tied, but is she telling me to stop? He was staring at me like he seriously expected an answer. I opened my mouth, but nothing would come out. I can do anything to her. He moved his hand to her opposite cheek and lifted her hair away from her ear. I can touch her and kiss her. He nibbled on her ear for a moment and then bit her until a few drops of blood came out and she flinched. I can hurt her, anything I want, and she will let me. That's how I know she's really mine. My hands gripped each other so tightly behind me I thought I might pull something, but I didn't say a word. I kept my face neutral. I wasn't going to play into his twisted thrills. Mia's whole body shook as Jeff kissed her neck. He pulled the neck of her t-shirt down, his hair falling around his face as he kissed her shoulder. She might not have been saying no with her voice, but her body was screaming it. It horrified me, but I didn't let it show. I couldn't, not now, not when she needed me most. Whatever, man, I shrugged, putting every ounce of effort into looking as emotionless as I could. Like I had no sympathy or empathy, I pretended to be just a shadow of myself, just like darkness. Everything felt a little clearer. My brain was responding faster with every minute he wasn't attacking me. You're sick, but she's not my problem. Do whatever you want with her. Jeff raised his head and stared at me. Something about my statement seemed to make him unreasonably angry. What do you mean? I've seen you following her. You want her too. I've seen it. I did at first. I met his eyes and didn't even glance at Mia. But I was just curious. I haven't even seen her in weeks. She's exactly like every other girl. 
You haven't seen her because you were in the hospital. Do you think I'm stupid? He snarled and stood up. Freeberg thought I was stupid. He paced around the room, his motions tight and rigid like a furious robot. He was like you, both of you, always staring. She didn't want you or Freeberg. Mia didn't want you. You were just a distraction, distracting everyone from me. Staring at the snow out the window, he muttered, Just like Mom, everything else is always more important than me. Life has too many distractions. But not now. Not this time. He spun to face me as though just noticing I was there again. You love her, and you kept her from me. Don't lie. I don't like liars. He grabbed a chisel from a nearby workbench and lifted it as he walked toward me. His eyes were glazed over and focused at the same time. I saw a need for violence in them that I never could have imagined. Okay, I lied, I shouted as he closed in. I love her. He froze and dropped his arm. Peace filled his expression and he smiled his familiar grin. For just a moment, he seemed to turn back into the Jeff that I knew from the soccer team. Then the menacing shadow came back to eclipse my old friend and the monster he'd been hiding so well returned with a dark laugh. See? <laughs> I knew this would be fun. In the silence, we heard a door slam somewhere in the school. The wind picked up outside. I could hear it whistling through the walls. Maybe a gust had closed the door. Jeff placed one finger to his lips and held his chisel up again. I nodded, and he slipped out of the room. Now was my chance. It might be the only one I could get. I sawed my wrists back and forth. They were raw and bleeding from my efforts, but the rope still wouldn't give. My legs weren't tied down. Maybe if I caught him off guard, I could kick him. I glanced at Mia. Her shirt was crooked, her shoulder still exposed. But she didn't even seem to notice. Her eyes were glued to the fire still crackling in the trash can. Why hadn't the fire alarm gone off? Looking around, I saw the smoke detector hanging useless on the ceiling. A window at the top of the wall above Mia's head was open, and most of the smoke was escaping there. I inhaled the stinging, hazy air. I needed to get through to Mia. It was our only hope. Mia. She jerked at the sound of my voice, but didn't lift her eyes from the flames. Mia, I know you're scared, but I won't let the fire hurt you. No response for one, two, three. Then, a slight shake of her head. She could hear me. I won't let the fire hurt you like it did your parents. I could hear something in the distance, a shout, and then silence. You have to trust me, Mia. I won't hurt you. Mia stopped shaking and took a deep breath, but she still couldn't drag her eyes away. Behind the silence of her response, a weird shuffling sound came up the hallway. I'll do everything I can to help you, like in your dreams, but you have to let me. Mia's eyes flitted to mine for a moment, and I thought I caught a slight nod, but then she glanced at the door behind me, and her eyes went straight back to the flames. I hoped it would be enough. I could hear Jeff grunting behind me, but I couldn't see him. You know, if you untied me, I could help you, I said. His laugh was brittle. I doubt you'd want to do that. He finally came into view, and I saw why he was struggling. He was dragging someone across the floor behind him. The body was half-rolled in a mat, the head covered in a black snowcap. It was agonizing, only being able to see a portion of the person at a time, 
but by the time Jeff dropped the mat, I could see the blood-soaked shirt that read, The police never think it's as funny as I do. My gut clenched, and suddenly I couldn't make my body respond to any of the orders my brain threw at it. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't think. And the painful vacuum in my chest convinced me that my heart had refused to beat. Your little boyfriend doesn't look so good, Parker. Jeff stood in front of me with his hands on his knees. The smirk on his face made my blood boil with rage so overpowering that I felt sure that if my hands were free, there was nothing that could keep him safe from me. Finn was dead or dying, and Jeff was enjoying it. I couldn't stand to see his face anymore. Not ever again. He was close now. Almost close enough. When I kicked hard against my chair, flipping it up in the air and connecting my shoe with Jeff's face, it felt eerily similar to an extremely solid soccer ball. He lurched backward and sprawled across the floor, and I crashed down too, landing on my bound wrists. I felt two snaps in my left arm and yelled out in agony. I thought I would pass out from the pain, but Mia yelled something. Not words, actually. More like disjointed sounds. I rolled the chair toward her and my hands went oddly numb. Jeff was out cold, blood flowing freely from a deep gash on the side of his head. When he fell, he'd knocked over the garbage can and pieces of burning wood were scattered around the room. A couple were already burning themselves out on the concrete floor, but one had landed in the wood bin and the fire had started to spread. You, you said, ah, you, Parker... Mia was breathing so fast her skin was stark white and her lips had a strange bluish tint to them. I knew if I couldn't calm her down, she wouldn't be conscious for long. And then, well, then we'd all burn. Mia, I need you to come to me. I spoke through gritted teeth, trying to forget the agony in my arm. She shook her head, her breathing actually speeding up more. You need to take slower breaths. Everything is okay now. We're leaving, okay? I need you to come untie me, and then we'll leave. She seemed uncertain, but she glanced at Jeff's limp form, and her breathing steadied a little. There isn't any fire between you and me. Can you come over here so we can go? Mia glanced over at the fire and froze, her body trembling so hard I thought she might fall over. Mia! I shouted and her eyes turned back to me. Don't look at the fire. Look at me. Keep your eyes on me. Like the dream, okay? It's just us, and we're going to get out of here alive. She nodded and crawled toward me. By the time she made it across the first few feet, her breathing had slowed even more. Great job. I spoke slowly and calmly, focusing on Mia and not the fire spreading from the wood bin to the desk. It moved too fast, greedily consuming the papers and wood projects waiting to be graded. Can you focus on my hands? We need to untie them so we can leave. She moved around behind me and gasped. One is broken. I know. We need to go so I can get it fixed, okay? Okay. I could hear her sobbing as she scooted over to reach my ropes. With every tug, pain shot up my body and through the top of my head. I bit my tongue so hard it filled my mouth with blood. I couldn't risk a scream escaping and frightening Mia back into her frozen state. The room was filling with smoke now, and I could feel heat waves pulsing from the blaze at the other side of the room. C got it, 
Mia tugged one last time and my hands were free. We got to our feet as smoke spilled out into the hallway and the fire alarms finally went off. Mia crouched down and covered her ears, her body racked with sobs. I rushed over to Finn. He was still breathing. A deep cut leaked blood from his stomach. Jeff must have stabbed him with a chisel. I glanced down at my arms. My left one was useless. It was bent at an angle that looked so wrong. My right one was bruised pretty badly, and my wrist had been rubbed raw, but there was no way I would leave Finn or Mia behind. Pulling Mia to her feet with my right hand, I raised her chin until her eyes were level with mine. We're leaving now. I need you to hold on to my shoulder so you don't hurt my arm, okay? Okay. She nodded and coughed. The smoke was getting too thick. G get me out of here. Mia grabbed onto my left shoulder and I dragged Finn's rug toward the hall with my good arm. I had gotten halfway through the doorway when it stopped moving. Ducking low, I covered my mouth with my sleeve and peered through the smoke. Jeff smiled back at me from the shop room. Blood ran down one half of his face and behind him all I saw were flames. I'm not done. His voice was low, gravelly. Mia whimpered into my shoulder. Mia, I need you to keep going. I squeezed her hands and placed them on the rug. I need you to pull Finn outside. There is no fire between here and the outside doors. I promise I won't let Jeff get to you. Her eyes swirled with terror as they met mine. You want me to leave you? Yes, I nodded. You can do this, and Finn needs your help. Now go. I jumped over the rug without touching Finn and slammed my body into Jeff's as hard as I could. The hit knocked him on his back, and as we slid across the floor, I glanced behind me to see Mia pulling the rug into the hall. Even through the smoke, I could see how hard she was shaking. But she was still doing what I had asked. Jeff's fist connected with my face, and it felt like my cheek exploded. Then he was on his feet, and I saw him pull back to kick me. I rolled aside and out of the way. Every movement made my broken arm scream in agony. He was coughing, and he staggered to one side. Keeping myself low to the floor, I waited. The air was still pretty clear down here. I could breathe. He couldn't. I found a piece of wood nearby and held it tight in my good hand. If I was going to get out of here, I needed to make a move. Every second I stayed here made it more likely I wouldn't get out alive. But I couldn't just run. He'd come after all of us once already, and I had to make sure Mia had enough time to get Finn out. I would make sure they were safe. I could do that. And that would be worth anything I had to sacrifice to do it. Around me, it felt like everything had slowed down, and I took a deep gulp from the disappearing pocket of fresh air. I watched Jeff bend his knees and duck to get below the smoke. His crazed eyes met mine. I saw in them what I'd seen in the eyes of Mr. Flint so many weeks ago when he'd killed his wife and in the eyes of darkness. Jeff would kill me without a second thought if I let him. He lunged toward me as I swung the piece of wood as hard as I could. I felt my makeshift weapon connect with his head. The sickening, solid thud reminded me of the way it felt when I'd hit Dr. Freeberg with the paperweight. I pushed aside the thought and watched Jeff stumble forward. 
I scrambled back, but when I saw that his eyes were closed and he was heading directly toward the fire, I dropped the wood on instinct and reached out, grabbing his shirt. He turned to face me, blinking in confusion. His pupils were different sizes, and he glanced down to where my hand was gripping the fabric. His face filled with anger. Stop, Jeff! I yelled, seeing him start to pull away. Shut up and get off me! He shoved against my shoulder, and I lost my grip. I stared in horror as he walked backward into the flames. I couldn't watch. I turned away, ducked as low as I could, and ran out the door with his screams echoing behind me. I was halfway down the hall before I saw them. Mia was on her knees, still trying to pull Finn as her shoulders shook with sobs. Finn was tall and heavy, and it was clear Mia couldn't breathe. I could barely breathe myself, and I wasn't trying to lug another person around. My vision was already getting blurry, and my throat burned from the smoke. The nearest doors were the ones by the gym, but they were still about ten feet away. That close to fresh air and escaping her worst fears, and she still hadn't left Finn. This girl deserved so much better than the hard life she had been given. We had to make it. After all this, I wouldn't let them die now. I knelt beside Mia, and she turned tear-filled eyes on me. You're here. Not for long. I grabbed the opposite corner of the rug with my good hand and ducked even lower for one more breath of clean, cool air. Let's go. Thank you, she choked out. Then we both pulled as hard as we could toward the cold snow and fresh air outside. Thanks for listening to the Riveting Reads podcast, Season 1, Insomnia. New podcast episodes will be available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're not the patient type and want the full book now, you can find the audiobook on Audible Podcasts or the paperback version on Amazon. Stick around for some author insights from J.R. Johansson about the chapter featured in this episode. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and welcome to the Authorly Insights section on Chapter 31. There are a lot of revelations in this chapter that were really fun to finally get to write, but my favorite part about writing it was probably being able to write Mia and Parker actually working on the same team for the first time. Well, that and the way my stomach drops every time I read about Finn's bloody t-shirt. I know it's coming. I created the story. I wrote the book. But Finn is my favorite character, and having him show up in this way here just feels like a gut punch every time. Another aspect of this chapter I enjoyed writing was that I wanted Mia to participate in her own escape. I didn't want her to just be rescued. I wanted her to have to make choices and overcome fears that she may not have been able to in the past. She's been through so much and she has a lot that she's dealing with, but giving her this moment of personal victory felt crucial to her story for me. She unties Parker. She gets Finn most of the way out on her own. She is still functioning even after everything that Jeff does to torture her. In many ways, she is as much the hero of this climax as Parker is. Without both of them working together, none of them would have gotten out of the school alive. That was really important to me. 
as a woman, even though I'm writing from a male point of view, I cannot tell you how many times I've read about the damsel in distress who just screams and cries and does nothing to assist in her own actual well-being and survival. And I was not about to do that to Mia. So while it was important for Parker to realize that he was a good person and that he had the power to help them both, it also was important for Mia to realize that she had control of her own circumstances. And I felt like I could accomplish both with this scene. And that's it for the Authorly Insight section on chapter 31. We will have chapter 32 coming this week, and then after that we will have a couple of days break before we will have the bonus episode, which will have the bonus chapter from Addie's point of view. So thank you again for listening, and if you have any questions or if you'd like to have any other bonus content that maybe we haven't thought of, uh, send us a message, and I will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Riveting Reads. Please check out details for our reader appreciation program in the podcast notes or on rivetingreadspodcast.com. Also, a reminder that we're still a new podcast and we would love to hear from you. Please subscribe as well as rating and reviewing in your podcast app. Thanks, and we'll see you in a few days for the next episode.